0: So we are looking at the book of Matthew. This is lesson 24. We're in chapter 9. And we have focused in on discipleship and the importance of this institution. It all started out with some requests about following Yeshua by a Torah scholar and a young man. And also because of chapter 9 and verse 9, which reads this way. And Yeshua went on from there and saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And so Yeshua, with only three years to train the men who would eventually he would eventually send out, immediately gathers disciples to himself. Disciple is a word that means student. However, the institution of disciples and rabbi of the first century is nothing like the student-teacher of today. If you go to a Bible college, you're not going to find this relationship. The teachers there are teaching you specific topics, perhaps Hebrew, perhaps Greek, apologetics, or Torah studies, and so on. And that teacher is there to teach you that class. That's all he's there for and when he's finished you would move on to the next teacher. And while the teacher leaves a deposit, say, of Torah in you, Little, if anything, of the teacher would remain. Not so with the rabbi and his disciples. Not only will he leave a deposit of Torah within the student, but he would also leave a deposit of himself because the student would be following him, living with him. He would be giving you a deposit of how to walk out the things that you were studying. In schools of today, which are modeled after the Greek model, you learn to know. The rabbi-disciple model of the first century. You studied to do, to live, to speak, to teach, to worship, to walk uprightly before God. We looked at how successful that relationship was last week. In just three years, Yeshua was able to train 11 men with only one failure to go out and convey His teachings to the world. And not just His teachings though, the way He lived, the way He worshipped. The way he walked before God. And we also looked at how these men went out and made disciples as well. Yeshua tells them in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18, he says, When Yeshua came to them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make many disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey Everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Yeshua tells his disciples to go make copies of him as well. Teaching them to obey the things that he had taught them. And we can see this in the life of Shaul. Shaul and Timothy had this very same relationship. And we don't get much of account of the other disciples and their uh, disciples. Uh, but if we go to church writings, we find that they too were busy making disciples. The 12 went out and taught as they had been taught, just as Shaul. What Messiah had taught, went out with the disciples, and then their disciples passed it on, generation to generation. And we can find it carried on, if we look in church history, to the 3rd and 4th century. Sociologists tell us that is extremely difficult To have teachings go forth even for three generations, much less three or four centuries. I wanted to establish this continuation of this relationship for you because it's important to the real lesson that we're going to look at today. So for today, I want to ask you, what was the result? What was the conclusion of the matter of this discipleship? Well, if we go to the book of Acts, we get an amazing passage. That gives us this tremendous insight into the lives of the disciples. And we have to understand that this is the life. This is the way the early disciples lived. And if this is the way they lived, this is what they had learned from the Master. As these disciples learned their way of life from the Master. So this tells us much of what Yeshua would have for us in living our lives. And what he taught his disciples about living their lives. The ultimate lesson. What he wanted us to understand is community. How to build community. I don't know about the rest of you, but when I read this early in my faith, I marveled. I wanted this type of community. And I don't want it to sound like I still don't because every time I read this, my heart is touched anew. My mind starts to wander to this time, to this place, and how it could be restored. And as I've studied through the years, i realize realized that's the mission of this community, to restore this very thing. Get this into your understanding today. Community is the worship of the Father in spirit and in truth. This community that we're going to read about. I want to look at one more place where we find this discipleship mentioned. Acts chapter 1 and verse 15 says, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Yeshua. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. I put this up here to show you that there were many more disciples of Yeshua than just the twelve. I want you to know that while there were twelve apostles, there were many more who were disciples or at least on their way to being disciples. Not only that, for the first century, in the first century anyway, the believers called themselves disciples. And after last week, we should have a better understanding of what that entails. Today, I want to learn how true it was. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 and get an example of what Yeshua left for us. It reads this way, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. You see, I want you to understand that what we get here is the culmination of Yeshua's teachings. And what is it? Well, it's community. It's people living together, having all things in common, in unity. The text says, to the degree that they went out and sold their possessions so that they would remain together. Think about it, folks. This And the Torah is all about community. Mount Sinai, God is making community. The Exodus, God is taking a community of people and the first thing He does, He takes them to Mount Sinai to solidify community. We're grafted in to the community of Israel. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. We could just as easily say, you are now the community of God. Yeshua says, on this rock I will build my community. Yeshua dies. He's taken up in the clouds in Acts chapter 1. And the first thing Luke speaks of after Yeshua's ascension is community. I want you to know that if you miss community, you miss the point of the book. You miss or at least misunderstand the teachings of Yeshua. And if you miss this, then you've read the book in vain. Your study was for nothing. You need to start over. I have people tell me, well, I can just keep the Sabbath in my home. They miss the purpose of the book. Because the purpose of the book was to build, is to build community. This is the culmination of the teachings of Yeshua. The end result of the discipleship of the apostles. Community. You know, my rabbi, a blessed memory, I spoke about him last week. He understood that. And in that community, they bought up the houses in the neighborhood. So that they could have community. And notice it says, they had all things in common, selling their possessions. This is living out the Sermon on the Mount. We spent weeks going through the Sermon on the Mount and its meaning. But Luke, in recording the life of the early community of Yeshua, summed it up in a paragraph for us. They had all things in common. They love their neighbors as themselves. This sums up the teachings of Yeshua. This is the fulfillment of Torah. It sums up Torah. Think about it. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We could just as easily say, theirs is the community of God, because the kingdom of heaven is His community. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, we could just as easily say, they shall inherit the community of God because the kingdom of heaven is going to be upon the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. They're going to see God because they'll be part of His community. Blessed are the peacemakers... For they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, theirs is the community of God. You see, this is all about community. Community on this earth to prepare us for the community that's coming to the earth. This first century community saw that they lived together in humility and meekness. They hungered after righteousness by giving to equality. They brought peace, shalom, into the lives of others. And they were and are the community of God. Think of this. Think of this verse. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, "...Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished." Anyone who breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I marvel. You know, we look at this. we We speak about this passage to show that the laws of Torah were not done away with. To prove to others that, that our keeping of the Sabbath and the food laws is proper. And it's God's will. But let me say this. If you don't find the community that we just read about in Acts chapter 2 in the world, then the Torah has been abolished. You have abolished the Torah. Because that's what it's about. Folks, we're reading the essence of the book. The essence of the book is community and unity. Lives so bound together by love of one another and love of God that it cuts through the selfishness of life, the greed of life, the worries of this life, the insecurities of this life, the striving to know more and be more in life to something the rest of the world can't understand or comprehend, true community. They had it. They found it. And for a brief moment in history, the teachings of Yeshua and the Torah of God were fulfilled in the lives of these disciples for the world to see. Do we see it today? No. It's been stripped. Will we see it in the future? Well, for sure when Yeshua returns. But I have to tell you, from what I see, I'm not encouraged for today. We're too Hellenized, too worldly, too without faith. The model is here. We can read it, but our thinking is so skewed, so corrupted by Greek and worldly thought that we don't see it, we don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. We could do it if we looked at the model from the outside of the box that we're in. How did the first century community get to this place? Well, we just read it. Let's read it again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Let's take this apart for a moment. You see, they stayed in unity and developed unity and community by devoting themselves to the disciples' teachings. Yeshua had sent these men out to make disciples, teaching others to obey the things that they had been taught. Let's read it once more. Yeshua says, all authority on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. You see, this is the culmination of that teaching. And notice, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the leaders of the community. Think about it. This is first century Jerusalem. Just down the street is the school of Gamliel. The first rabbi to be called Rabban or the Great One. And he was down the street. He was teaching Shaul. Shaul was learning wonderful teachings of the fathers of Judaism like Hillel, who was Gamliel's grandfather. Not just that. The rabbis and disciples of the house of Shammai were just down the street teaching all that they knew of Torah. The two houses differed, but they were both teaching Torah. They were both teaching, love your neighbor as yourself. These disciples of Yeshua, however, they weren't running down the street. And we know that because it says they were devoted to these poor fishermen. Tax collectors, carpenters and the like, who Yeshua had trained and sent out to make disciples. You have to ask yourself, why? Was it that they couldn't learn the lessons of Yeshua elsewhere? Well, no, that's not the case. Listen, I and others have made a major part of our work showing the likenesses of the work of the rabbis in Yeshua. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Yeshua replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Yeshua says that the law and the prophets are summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. And as I said, what we're seeing here in Acts chapter 2 is the culmination of that. And yet, we find it wasn't an uncommon thought. If we go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Yeshua. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have understood correctly, Yeshua replied. Do this and you'll live. You see, this rabbi knew it. These folks could have gone down the street and listened to him teach. Remember I said they could have went down the street and listened to Gamliel teach his grandfather's teachings. Well, Hillel said this, Love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the whole of the law. The rest is commentary. The point being, they could have heard that anywhere from almost any rabbi. But they devoted themselves To the teachings of the apostles. To the leaders of the community. To the elders of the community. Why? Because they were in community. The apostles were part of the community. The teachers of the community kept them in unity with the community. Well, isn't that just simple? (laughs) You see, let me tell you something. It doesn't make any difference what you know. If what you know takes you out of community. Because community is the culmination of what Yeshua taught. And if you miss it, you've missed the Messiah. And what you know is nothing but garbage. Do you know how many people know the Bible nearly by heart? And yet, they miss the most basic, important message of the book, community. And we know that because it doesn't exist in the world. You see, they could have heard love your neighbor as yourself is the whole of the law from Gamliel, grandson of the great Hillel. The rabbis understood. The rabbis, after they understand, they build a synagogue and the members start buying the houses up around the the synagogue in the community. That's why they all live together in walking distance. They could have heard the same thing from the schools of Hillel, Shammai. But let me tell you something. If they went there, they would eventually... At some later study, they would have heard, you can divorce your wife for burning your toast. You have to ceremonially wash your hands before you eat. They would have heard teachings that ran contrary to community, contrary to the teachings of the apostles. You see, it's not about whether Gamliel could teach you love your neighbor as yourself, but here's the key. Will listening to him keep you from living out Love your neighbor as yourself in your community. And the answer is, yes, it will. It will cause strife. And so these disciples devoted themselves to the teachings of the elders of the community, to the leaders, to stay in unity with community. People often ask me about other teachers. I say, I recommend some. And others, I say, you should avoid that like the plague. And the reason is, it isn't because... Much of what they teach is wrong. It isn't because 95% of what they teach isn't correct, far be it. If you sit here long enough, you'll probably hear me teach the same thing. It isn't that their teachings aren't like candy to the ear. But it's just like Yeshua and Hillel and the two greatest commandments and many other things. It's the 5% that they differ on that will separate or begin to separate Or plant seeds of separation from the community. And that, my friend, will take you out of the community. So I warn people. Because I've seen others make the mistake. Same mistake. So they stay in unity by listening and focusing on and absorbing the same teachings at the same time. And then it says, they devoted themselves to fellowship with others in the community. To breaking bread. Those teachings of the leaders of the community were the focus of conversation in the community as they ate together. You know, you have to understand that breaking bread together is something that you just didn't do with anyone in the first century. It was an intimate affair. It's not like it is today. We've lost the meaning of eating together, of breaking bread together. They would sit, they would disagree, eat and discuss Torah, ruminate on the teachings of the apostles that were given that day. It was a time of unity. And I will tell you what, they were fussy about who they ate with. You know something? I'm fussy about who I eat with. I don't want to eat with someone who speaks things totally contrary to what I know to be true. It gives me indigestion. So understand that they ate together because they were together. They were unified. They were in community. You know, we have kind of a restoration of that in part in our own eggs, in our lunches after service. And I say partially because sadly some look at it just as a time to eat some food and that's about all. Others, food and then talk about whatever comes to your mind few years ago, we had to take some measures to enhance unity in the community. And some people left this place of their own accord. You know, and I I took some flack for being hard-nosed. And if you talk to some of them, they they don't say much nice about me. But that's okay, because the Lord gave me a thick skin. And they didn't have much nice to say about me before that. (laughs) But here's the deal. You have to ask yourself, why did they leave? Well, for one thing, for them, Onig was not a time of ruminating on Torah. But for many of them, it was a time of discussing this conspiracy or that. This teacher's teaching or that. Why what they understood was right and the community's stand on this issue was wrong. Many of them were never in service. They were always in Onig, but you never saw them in service. Some of them didn't come in until 12.30, 1 o'clock. They didn't help anywhere. Most of them sat together. And now that table is gone and the reason is simple. They weren't part of the community. And all we asked them to do was show their unity by signing a statement of faith. But they couldn't because they weren't part of the community. Indeed, with every word they spoke at the Oneg table, they tore at the fabric of community with foreign teachings, weird ideas, and dissension. You know, if I went to a place, I have to tell you, if I went to a a congregation, the very first thing I would do is I'd say, can I see your statement of faith? And I'd read that statement of faith and if I didn't agree with it, I would hit the road. I wouldn't make a fuss, mind you. I'd just quietly move on down the road. And the reason is simple. I would know that that in that place I would never fulfill Torah or the teachings of Messiah. Oh, I might get some head knowledge there and I might hear some wonderful teachings and I might meet some wonderful people. But there would always be this thing that would keep me from truly supporting and being one with that community. And if I miss that, I miss Messiah. And I miss the worship of the Father in spirit and in truth. It's time we grab a hold of our own eggs. We speak Torah, speak unity and community. And if we hear of someone tearing at the fabric of community, move away from that person. Tell the elders about them. We as elders, we owe it to the people of this community to make sure that there's unity. We need to take care to make sure that people do sign the bylaws, do sign the statement of faith. And if they can't, well, you have to ask yourself, are they part of or will they ever be part of community? No, they won't. I mean, it's really simple, folks. Community is the culmination of Torah and Messiah's teaching. Community is one accord. Community is devoting ourselves to the teachings we hear in the community. And if we can't do that here, then this community is not for us. We must be belong to some other community that we haven't been to yet or something. So we better get out and start looking. Listen to what it says. In verse 46, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. They didn't lead double lives. They ate together in their homes as well as at the joint meals. Topics didn't change. Their meals were a praise and a praising of God. Not tearing at the fabric of community as we spoke of above, but a strengthening of the bond that they had through Messiah Yeshua. And what was the result? Verse 47, The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. You know, if you find true community, if you try to find true unity within a body of people, You'll find a body of people who love one another as they love themselves. And you'll also find people who want to be a part of that community. You won't have to fight and struggle to get people to come in to be members. They'll see that love and they'll want to be a part. That's what Rabbi Yeshua taught his disciples. And his disciples went out and taught their disciples unity and how to stay in unity. You know, Shaul, at the end of his ministry, as he's getting ready to leave Ephesus, he laments. He laments because he knows his work is going to be destroyed. How will it be? How will it come to an end? Will the Roman soldiers come in and destroy it? Will the rulers of the city stop it and destroy it? Will the pagan and idol makers to stop it and destroy it? Well, let's read. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number men will arise, distort the truth, to draw disciples after them. So be on your guard." And remember that for three years I never stopped warning you night and day with tears. You see, his work will be destroyed because of the destruction of unity and community, the tearing of the fabric of community, the separating of the flock by men with strange teachings. Folks, Get it into your systems today. Put it in your hearts today. Let's be part of the restoration, not a further separation. Let's build community, not tear it its fabric. And if you can't do it here, go elsewhere and do it. It's that important because it is the worship of the Father in spirit and truth. A community of people in one accord praising the Holy One of the community of Israel. Amen?